Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris and looking forward to getting into the red ink. Plenty of red ink today. So uh, oh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Um, I know that as I read very familiar scriptures to you, that you can easily switch into that, that uh, kind of a sing-song thing where you pretty much have the attitude, heard it. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't want you to do that. I want you to know that uh, words have a, an invisible component to them that uh, we cannot, should not ignore, and that is authority. Uh, it's not just me here reading these things to you. It's not, this isn't based on my authority. I didn't write this. But I know that our Lord Jesus said these things, or uh, I have faith that that's true. And um, so we need to hear them as if he has come to town and he's rented a meeting hall down at the Holiday Inn and you got your invitation and you're nestling into your seats and waiting for him to step to the microphone. Would you be disappointed if what he said into the microphone was the same thing that he said 2,000 years ago? I don't think you would be. You're going to be excited to be there and hear it, now, wouldn't you? And um, so we just, we, I don't know, it's, it's a mental game. I don't know what it is, but go get your coffee. Go get yourself settled in and, and take a, a close listen to what he has to say. Now, What's going to happen is, is as we read this, we're reading his commission to his disciples when he sends out his 12 disciples. And um, the closest thing that we have to uh, uh, understand what's being said here is uh, the fact that we have prophets and teachers and, and preachers and such in our life that with which and with whom we are very familiar. And, um, and you're going to hear him say things that it is going to flatly condemn the processes, the characteristics, the words of some of your favorite preachers. Can you just let that go and not hang up on it so badly? Um, listen, he, he demands perfection from us, and he's given us these, these outlines that we're supposed to follow. No, not every man follows these. It doesn't make it right that they don't, because not every man does. But um, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is, let's put the judgment on hold because that will stop your understanding. It'll, it'll just clog up your, um, your ability to hear the words of Jesus Christ. And the, these are, are they tricks? I don't know. Uh, but we have to do what we have to do in order to get his words into our spirit. And sometimes we can just be so judgmental of our favorite preacher or judgmental of preachers that we don't like. And, you know, stick out that see there finger and uh, just kind of ruin everything. Just listen to his words. And, uh, and if, you're, if you're in the ministry as these disciples, this, this commission is, is very universally understood among all of us who preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, let's, say, let's say that's a part of your life. Accept these things and take them in. And if they hurt, they hurt. And, uh, you know, but, we, but we, sometimes we just need to hurt a little bit. Sometimes we need to know that we're a little off track. I love the scripture in the Bible that, that talks about the Spirit of God and how He is our teacher and how He is, 
He's the one that guides us. He's the one that shows us what to do and what to say, or at least he should be. And I love the scripture where he says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Look, he knows you've turned to the right hand. He knows you've turned to the left. He knows we've made mistakes, but this is the way, walk ye in it. It's really a, a beautiful thought when you think about it. All right, we're starting in chapter 35. Jesus commissions, empowers, and sends forth uh, the 12 disciples. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his hire. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire in it who is worthy. And there abide until you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. For verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they'll deliver you to the councils, and they'll scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors, and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you in that same hour that ye shall speak. For it's not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call you? There's nothing covered, nothing hid that shall not be made known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. And what you hear in the ear, That preach on the housetops.
And fear not them which can kill the body and not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you're more valued than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to bring peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth not after me, he's not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give drink to one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. What was Jesus doing? Was he not preparing his disciples for the best and the worst? Was he not empowering them so that they could walk into this situation and not fear the situation, the people, the consequences? And was he not focusing their, their, their fear and their concern toward the one who can actually inject consequences into our life that are most unpleasant to the point that what he can do as far as punishment, if you will, is concerned, can take both body and soul and place them into hell. Very, very serious circumstances indeed. But you need to focus in the right direction. I know you're being threatened every day. I know. There are people out there that want to take your life. But that's not who you should fear. Here's what you should fear. Adding leaven to your soul. Adding hypocrisy to your soul. Softening the outcome. Not being obedient to your father. And trying to be in compliance with everyone else. I don't know that there's not a minister worth his salt that does not stop and try to consider for a moment, is that what I'm doing in my ministry? Am I really concerned about the biggest givers? 
Am I really concerned about people who are going to make sure that I have something to eat? Oops, go back to the words of Jesus that we just read. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about having two coats, making sure that you have shoes on your feet, making sure that you have a place to sleep or, a, or, or something to wear. I'm going to take care of you. Friend, that's very difficult to, to think about when you see an entire kingdom that you've constructed based on the backs and the purses of other people and have to tell those people the truth. Do you have what, that, what it takes to do that? That's an incredible amount of character. Well, friend, as a minister, and I, and I speak to the ministers of the gospel, no matter what it is, no matter what, what your ministry is, if, you, if you're out there in the world presenting Jesus Christ as an answer to people's problems, I consider you to be in the ministry. I think the Lord considers you to be in the ministry. And he just wants you to know that he's going to take care of you, and it has nothing to do with the people that you coddle in order to not to offend them. Don't make anybody mad. Don't make anybody get up and leave. Because after all, we've built everything we're doing on the backs and on the wallets and the purses of these people that you're offending. I've sat in the board meetings. I've had, I've had the board members look at me and say, look, you know, if you do this, uh, do you have what it takes to finance the ministry? No, I don't. I've, I've been in the board meetings. I know, I know what kind of pressure these men are under. And uh, they really don't need your, <laughs> what I call it, the finger of accusation. They really don't need you to condemn them. They need you to help and, and, and understand. And most of all, when a, when, a, when a preacher has given you the scripture and he's, and he's preaching from, his, from the very heart of himself and he's, and he's being led of the Spirit of God to tell you, would you not be so thin-skinned? Would you not just take five minutes and concern yourself with perhaps he's talking to me, perhaps there's things in my life that need to be done? Not call your friends and say, what did you think about that sermon today? <laughs> Don't you think he overstepped his bounds or whatever else? Well, how about calling the preacher? How about going over and talking to him and say, man, this smacks me right between the eyes. Can you help me? Why not? This is the way we're supposed to live inside the kingdom of God in which we live today. Look, we need people out there that are in touch with God while you're off doing whatever it is you're doing. We need people out there that read the scriptures and can see a correlation between the prophecies of scripture and the world in which we live in today. We need these people. And we need not you know, chase them around and throw rocks. We just can't do that. And you know what? If you do have a preacher in your life somewhere that tells you the truth, regardless of how much money you give or how faithful you are or what a, what a prize token your pretty little car in their parking lot is or whatever other silly little idea we have to evaluate one another, if you have a preacher that can, that can look past all that and tell you the truth, you've got to thank God that you have one like that. You ought to aspire to be that guy if you don't have one. But it's going to take somebody that is willing to doubt, willing to fear, and willing to take risk. But you can't forget that he started this whole thing off by saying, look, your death is precious in the sight of my father. They might persecute you. They might try to kill you. But look, aren't two sparrows sold for a farthing? 
You know how much more you're worth than a couple of sparrows? One of those little sparrows can't fall out of the tree and hit the ground without your father. Do you think you're really any different? Is that the problem? Friend, it takes a man that's confident. Well, when you're confident in this world, everybody thinks you're arrogant. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between arrogance and confidence. So they're going to misunderstand, so be confident. False humility, it's a waste of time. Putting a question mark on every sentence to ask somebody's opinion about what you're saying, to get a little nod when you talk, very common today. Because nobody's allowed to have an opinion. (laughs) No, no, don't have an opinion. You should always be concerned about what other people feel and what they think. Look, you got a preacher that doesn't talk like that? You got something of value. That's what you have. You have access to a man that is a man. You have an access uh, that most people, frankly, don't have. Most of our uh, encounters with preachers and prophets and such, they're nowhere near these kinds of men. Nowhere near them. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, oh, you don't know what that means? Have you heard that scripture before? Yeah? How long? For 35 years and you never thought about it? You know, to receive a prophet in the name of a prophet is to receive a prophet with, with an obvious commission on his life, a commission that you understand and that you respect. You see, to do something, uh, to receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, is to respect him, is to absolutely respect him. That's how you receive in that name. You can't receive a prophet as if he's just a, a prattling nobody, as if he's just a, a, you know, a money-grubbing snake oil salesman, unless he happens to be. But if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you're listening to what he says because he's a prophet, because you understand what a prophet is. I'm surprised when I talk to people about these things and say, do you know what a prophet is? Oh, yeah, that's somebody who sees the future. Now, that's a prognosticator. I mean, with that definition, uh, you know, the, the horoscope can be prophetic. And we even use the word prophetic. But, you know, a prophecy is a man speaking for God. These disciples were sent out with the power to do signs and wonders. Why? Because they wanted them, because Jesus wanted what these prophets do and say and teach, he wanted that related to his ministry, which is directly connected to God and was shown to be connected to God by ignoring the, you know, the, the physical realm, the, I mean, by, by super navigating over everything that has always been insurmountable problems for us, but they're no problem for him. The man walks on water. He talks to the ocean and it calms down. What manner of man is this? You remember this? This is why these miracles were done. To show that, you know, I'm not the last guy that came through here hollering that he was the, he was the Messiah. I'm not Simon bar I'm Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he proved it, proved it, and proved it, and proved it. So he gave that power to his disciples to say, those guys, they're with me. Undeniable. Absolutely undeniable. Now, why was he doing that? To boost their egos? To make them feel better about themselves? No. 
because they had a very difficult word to preach to the world. And you need to hear what they have to say. In other words, you need to receive these prophets in the name of, in the nature of a prophet. These are not just people that are trying to prophesy. What they're saying is God's word to your ear. And friend, that's what a prophet is. You can forget all the, all the hokum and, the, and the, the voodoo and all the, the parlor tricks and the smoke and mirrors and all the stuff that goes along with what we consider prophecy today. Today we use the word prophecy as foretelling the future. And it's just absolutely incorrect. Prophecy is a man who can hear the voice of God, has the understanding and the knowledge to take the voice of God. He can, he can attribute it to the scriptures. He can attribute it to God's voice in his ear. Whatever he does, however he receives this thing. And translate it into the lives of people who need to hear this word. Look, it's the word of God. Not the Bible. The word of God that changes men. That makes them different that changes them from the inside, that regenerates their soul. Where are you going to get that? Where are you going to get it? I'm afraid you're not going to get it in, in some of the commonest places that we look. We're going to get it from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get it from the mouth of our Father. He's going to speak to us. And I say again, keep the commandments. Never disobey your conscience. And take time every day. To hear the word of God. Because he wants to speak to us. He wants to fix these problems. He wants to put you on the right track. And sometimes he does it with prophets. Because you can't hear. Beautiful story about David. David got himself in a mess. You know the Bathsheba thing. Everybody seems to know the Bathsheba thing. And uh, he got himself into a mess. He could not hear the voice of God. So what did God do? Sorry about that David. Teeth endures to the end, pal. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, bud. I was, hoping it would I was hoping it would have worked out, but obviously it's not working out. No, 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 he didn't do that. He didn't give up on him. He went to a man that could hear his word, Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet walked in to David's chamber, told him a story, told him a parable. I don't, I don't know, I don't even believe that it was true, that it truly happened. But he went in and told him a story. David heard within his own spirit that I mean, he knew what the, what the justifiable outcome of this situation was to be and told Nathan, this is, a, this is the way we're going to handle this. This man, I'm going to put him to death. And Nathan had to look at David, who was deaf to the, the, the word of God, deaf to the voice of God. Because he was deaf, Nathan was sent. As a prophet. And what did I say a prophet was? Did he come in to do magic tricks? To pull rabbits out of hats? To make people's leg, their right leg grow as long as their left leg or some other thing like that? No. He didn't come in to show, uh, in, to have a circus act. He didn't come in to tell him the future. What did he do? He took the words from God's mouth and, and treated them in such a way to get them into the heart and the spirit of David. And he capped it all off by saying, David, 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 before you get too judgmental, friend, think about this, because here's the word of the Lord to you. Thou art the man. This man you want to condemn? That's you. 
Well, as soon as this happened, as soon as the door was cracked open, the word of God flushed through David's heart. He became extremely repentant and just loathed himself before God. How did that happen? The prophet, the prophet that was empowered by God. Here's 12 of them. Jesus sent them out. And he gave them this commission. Hey, guys, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have serious troubles. They're going to try to kill you. Uh, you're going to worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You're going to worry about where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Why was Jesus so convinced that these men were going to suffer all these horrible things? Because he knew what he sent them out to preach. It's not a pleasant thing. People don't, people, when was the last time somebody called you and said, hey, I just called you so you could tell me what was wrong with me? <laughs> Doesn't happen. People want to know what's right with them. They want to know how you and I, um, you know, how, how we're the same. And we, we, we want to talk about, you know, what's good about us and what makes us happy. Jesus knows this. The Bible says he not only knew men, he knew what was in man. And he knew that if he put his words in those 12 disciples' mouths, they were not going to make friends. And, and they're going to be concerned. Well, who's going who's to send us a, a, a bag of sandwiches out here in the desert to make sure that we're okay? Who's going to do that? Everybody's mad at us. We told them their religion was worthless. They're not happy about this. We're going to starve to death, Jesus says. These are going to be concerned, but they need not be. I'm going to take care of you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the truth. And I want you to be my prophet. And I want you to make sure all these things happen just as I have told you. Listen, the office of a prophet is not fun. It's not just a, 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 a party. Okay, you back off and take a look at the preacher you're thinking about now and say, well, his life's a party. Well, it's a party for a reason. Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. For so they did the who? the false prophets which were before you. Now, look, these words are hard. They're hard. But it just seems like the Lord specializes in hard words. And unfortunately for me, most of his hard words are in red ink. So, you know, I have to tell you the truth. I, I, I know I've made some enemies, you know, from, from this series. I made enemies from the last series, and the one before that, and the one before that. But you know what? You find some, somebody who gets their sight back after having been blind all their life, it's all worthwhile. <laughs> and it will be for you, too. If you're thinking about the ministry, I want you to think about what we're talking about here. If you're in it, if you're a part of it, and, and if that's where you're getting your answers for life, I want you to... I want you to reconsider. I want you to think about the pressure there. It's time for me to go now, uh, but I appreciate you being a part of the broadcast today. I want you to email me if you can, will, may, and you can do so at don at thinkreading.com. All right, until next time, think ready, my friend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.